everybody, you're listening to The Real IT Podcast. Whether you come from a technical or non-technical background, we'll tackle practical, real-life ways to level up your IT career, get past the hurdles you'll encounter one day soon, or are already facing right now. Have you ever wondered what your IT boss is looking for when determining roles, raises, promotions? What's the definition of success? There are formal performance reviews and forms, but what are the traits they are really looking for that separates the okay and the good from the great? I've always thought about this in every role at every level, and I'm sure you're thinking about it right now as well in your role. Today we're having a coffee-style conversation with Amanda Garner about some of our experiences with the traits of high-performing IT professionals. Amanda is a Bachelor of Commerce degree focused in entrepreneurial management. She's worked in the IT and engineering industries as a project manager, program manager, and IT director. With over 20 years experience primarily working as a self-employed consultant, Amanda has worked with startups as well as billion-dollar companies. As a consultant and business owner and coming from a non-technical background, Amanda brings a unique perspective to our IT projects. Combined with her experience and working with all levels of IT and the executive suite across many different companies, she's able to find solutions to ensure projects, teams, and companies are both productive and successful. Anyone who's worked with Amanda has nothing but good things to say about her as a person. Always professional, always gracious, calm and thoughtful no matter the situation, the pressure, or the risks. In this regard, I've never met anyone better in the world of IT. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Gary. How are you? Good. Thanks for making time. You're welcome. Thanks for putting this together. Yeah, it's been a long time in the making, that's for sure. What Amanda and I are going to try and do is try to make this more like a normal coffee conversation, not an interview. We're going to try our best on that, so hopefully we can ease into this and forget that there's microphones and it's a podcast and just do our normal thing. So one of the topics that we've chewed over before was because you have a non-technical background, it gives you a different perspective than most technical people in IT. You have a very unique perspective that way when you're working with IT teams, and you've worked with IT teams for a very long time, and that's something that I've always appreciated. What are some things that you see when you're working with juniors, or intermediates, or even seniors that you're looking for in somebody that's a high performer? Mm. And we could easily spin, <laughs> flip this coin over and go bad performers. <laughs> and we have a lot of great stories there. Yeah. But let's just keep it positive. If somebody's listening, you know, things that they can work on that make a difference when you're working with an IT leader and you are an IT leader. You have a non-technical background, but you're always in leadership roles. Mm -hmm. And you work very closely with other leaders who are technical. And we've talked about that before about it doesn't matter what team you're on. It doesn't matter if you're technical or non-technical. All the leaders are going to end up talking about people's performance anyway. Very true. And those discussions do have an impact on promotions, salary increases, and assignments. If you're great in the eyes of your boss and only your boss and you're not so great in the eyes of people outside your department, it's tougher to get approval for those things. So what are some things you look for when you're evaluating a team? You just jumped into a team and you haven't worked with them before. How do you spot those higher performing people? Yeah, I, it's a good question. And it's something that I think I kind of do a bit subconsciously now and a little bit consciously. I think I jump in right at the beginning and it's subconscious. I start evaluating everything. And then as I'm seeing how things are shaking out, I start to actually start diving into how people are performing, how they're operating, their interactions, their deliverables, how they're, how they're viewed in the organization. And I think the one of the th key things that sticks out for me is, is attitude. I was just going to say, you said interactions. Yeah. So what is it about attitude you're looking for in those interactions? I'm looking for positivity, not 
overly optimistic all the time like everybody everything is sunshine and rainbows like not that kind of positivity but a a positive I guess attitude just in general I've run into a lot of people that are very pessimistic everything is no we can't do that but I really appreciate the people that are can do attitude they're they may not have the answers that's a that's a key you don't necessarily have to have the answers you don't need to be a know-it-all you don't need to have, you know, 35 years of experience, but you need to be positive in that you're interested in helping, interested in serving, interested in being curious or finding a solution or being helpful. And I think that that attitude goes a long way. We've had a lot of conversations around, we can train skills, we can send people to courses, we can set them up with mentors, we can do a lot of things to up their skill game. But attitude and how you approach life, we can't train that. And I think it's it makes harder. it's yeah, you're right. You're right. There's I, there's an example of someone that like we were really have been good in the past when building teams at mm-hmm. finding those diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Doesn't work out all the time. Definitely yeah. I've got some failures there where I'm like, I think they're a diamond in the rough and was proven very wrong. <laughs> nope. And it didn't work out so well. But I think for every one of those diamonds in the rough that you find that don't work out. We've been lucky that we get four or five that do. Mm -hmm, That is true. Someone can come to your team from another team or another company and they're just downtrodden. Mm -hmm. They came from a very aggressive environment maybe and they were put down a lot. They come in beat up. They just really come in beat up. Bully culture. Maybe they didn't have the experience to be in the role they were in or they were just set up for failure. Lots of scapegoating, finger pointing. And we work with them and they slowly build up their confidence again. Right, become a good person and not so scared, not so shy, and a solid contributor, great team member. Mm-hmm. But initially, you know, it was like a rain cloud over that, and we're able to, with the rest of the team, get that resolved to get them to grow into their full potential, which mm-hmm. is so amazing to see. I love it when that happens. Mm-hmm. So that's an example where somebody might have a pessimistic view, but it's not their true nature. Yeah, I think I was more thinking of the true nature of a person. You're right. They're just beat up. They're just beat up. And and the right environment with the right team with some support and encouragement and acknowledgement of their efforts. And we don't create cultures that are finger pointing and blaming and throwing under the bus. That's skateboarding. We don't do that. That's not how our teams work. And so you're right. We've had a number of people that have come into our teams or we go into teams and they're like that. That's the culture of the team that we've been given. And we changed that because that's just not how we operate teams. So I think I think I was more thinking of the person that's just, they're just, who they are as a person is pessimistic. That's really hard, hard to work with. And you're right. There is a, there's yeah, a fair amount of the corporate culture, like that can be the no culture, that can be the pessimistic culture. And that's more something, at least in the roles that you and I take, that we can shift because we're in a position to be working with the culture of the team. Versus individuals that just come in and they're just pessimistic people. So I think that's one of the things that I look for, at least when I'm hiring to get a, a vibe on on someone or in inside of a team is kind of their attitude and their approach to things. And if it is something that's negative, it's something that we'll be working on because it's not something that's conducive to a good team culture. So I think attitude is the main one I look for. Judgment is probably the second one. I want to get back to interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think what I was getting from what you're saying, one of the things that you look for is chemistry, mm-hmm. you know, how they interact with the other team members and even other departments. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yeah. that's a yeah. coffee conversation that's for it. sure. <laughs> that happens a lot too. <laughs> well, it's, it's true, right? Because people like to work with people they like to be around. 
in IT, there's a lot of introverts. So we think through when we go to hire somebody else, or if we're going to bring somebody else onto our team, do we want someone who's maybe a little bit more extroverted to help balance out the rest of the team? Or maybe we have a junior and we want, we think, hey, we probably need to balance out this particular area. Let's see if we can get a more senior set of skills. So we're constantly thinking about the structure of the team and how the individuals are going to interact on a personality level, on a on a skill level, even on a social level. Some of what I think are our most successful teams are on a social level. They're actually groups of friends. Like we didn't hire them as friends, but they ended up being friends. Yeah, totally. Like going and playing board games on the weekend, going to the gym at lunchtime. Like they hang out Meeting and to this weekends. day, yeah, to this day, they're groups of friends. Yeah. That's, that is special chemistry for sure. Very. When you get it, that everyone comes from different places, team slowly builds up, yeah. get this super high performing team. They all care about each other, mm-hmm. want each other to succeed, want the team to succeed, but they just enjoy hanging out with each other. So they're doing things at lunch hour, you know, like you said, going rock climbing, going working out, mm-hmm. just going to do whatever, board games. Yeah. And the same thing on the evenings, same things on the weekends. That's pretty cool. And not working together years later, still hanging out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Some things I'd look for, whether, again, you're junior, intermediate, or senior, this is a universal truth. Mm-hmm. Things that I absolutely look for. I look to see if you're thoughtful mm-hmm. in your solutions mm-hmm. and conversations. I think that's really important. I'd agree. like to see that there's an extra dimension there other than the minimum. Mm-hmm. It's just not the minimum effort, the minimum thought. You're not trying to just make a problem go away. And sometimes that problem has <laughs> be another person. We've seen that. You're like, just go away. <laughs> And I get it. We have those days. So that would be the exception, not the rule. But 99.9% of the time, they're taking the time to carefully think through something. Think about all the variables, pros and cons, short, medium, long term, and come out with a balanced solution. Mm-hmm. And it could even be that they're coming out with a recommendation and a couple options. Mm-hmm. And they're able to articulate why that's the recommendation and why those other options are feasible but not as good of a solution, given whatever variables they're thinking about. I really look for that thoughtfulness, consideration. You know, there's some people who speak fast, some people who speak slow. I don't care. I just want to see that depth. Mm-hmm. And we Sometimes you and I refer to it as dimensions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's somebody asks a question or makes a statement. You know, there can be the surface value question there or information. But if you're able to think about some of those variables, like I just mentioned business priorities, information technology, technical debt, short, medium, long-term, pros, cons, costs. Mm-hmm. You start to see the depth of their answer or the depth of the question. And that's something I look for. You know, that's potential. That's related to judgment. Mm-hmm. But I look that for is. that for sure. I also look, like you said, for, I'd say positivity for sure, but I'll frame it slightly different in supportiveness. I'm looking for somebody who's going to support their teammates. Definitely. Right? They're there to bring people up, not put them down. And I don't mean in a Darth Vader kind of <laughs> keep people up or <laughs> holding your hand up, choking somebody. <laughs> I've seen that meme. I mean, in making everyone around them better. They're going to put in the time to mentor other people. They're going to put in the time to invest in themselves. They're going to be there for other people. So they're supportive. They're, they've got a great attitude. And they've got some curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you give them information, it's just like, not like, oh, because if I'm giving you information, it's because there's hopefully on my part, some depth to why I'm doing it. There's dots I'm hoping you're going to connect. And there's other things going on that says, okay. Don't just read this. I want you to apply it. I like that curiosity. How about yourself? Did any of those ring true? Yeah, the curiosity one for sure. I think the people that I've met that are are curious, I find it's a way of 
being. It's how they are. It's who they are. So it ripples through not just their work and trying to solve a particular problem, but they are good at viewing things from other perspectives. So an example would be like, I need a solution to a, a technical problem. And then they, that person would turn around and go, yeah, I have a solution, but I wonder how that would impact on the business side, the customers. Mm, business right? curiosity too. Business curiosity. Not just and I technical think, curiosity. Exactly. And I, I think that that particular characteristic is something that is a way of being because it then goes to, I'm curious about who I work with. But we were talking about judgment. I think that one, how would you classify judgment? Oh, geez. Okay. I was hoping I could ask you the question before right. you asked me so, the question. So I'll drop, I'll drop a story on this one. Okay. So I'm working in Silicon Valley and I'm working with a couple guys and they both were inner circle executives working for Steve Jobs. And I'll talk with them after, see if I can name drop them on this story because I really respect them. I think they're really good guys. And they're interviewing and one has a traditional style of interviewing and then the other would leave an interview literally after three minutes, sometimes two and a half minutes, just to just walk out. Just not say anything, just walk out. And then we'd be sitting there going, what just happened? And how I was raised, that's just kind of rude. You're totally <laughs> at a joke from somebody I know that did that to me. So. <laughs> I'm like, that's really rude. I get it, time is money. In other interviews, they went longer with them, but you know, there's some pretty short, abrupt walkouts. And so I asked the other person who also with them for a long time and also was inner circle, Steve Jobs. I was like, what do they look for? Like, why are they walking out? What are they looking for when they're interviewing someone? Sometimes they're engaged. Sometimes they're not. I'm like, did mm-hmm. you just not have enough coffee that day? Mm-hmm. Having a bad day? And they're like, no, the only thing they're looking for is, is judgment. It's the number one thing. That's it. If you don't have judgment, there's just no point. There's no potential to fulfill. Yeah. If you're interviewing, how can you spot that? What does it look like? I think some of the same traits that we're talking about that we're looking for on a team, you're obviously going to be looking for when you're interviewing somebody. Judgment is ability to balance out all the variables and come up with options. And all the variables, you have to be able to see them first. Mm -hmm. So that thoughtfulness, be able to think about things beyond what's in front of your face and then think about the needs of others. I think that those are things that are really important in judgment. Short, medium, long-term again. Costs, time, resourcing, variables like the stress on your team, short, medium, long-term. There's a lot that goes in there. You're right. And you say another saying there too, that high performers solve problems. Oh my God. Yeah. High performers are the best problem solvers in your company. Hands down. They will solve problems. That's what they do. And equally, they will solve you or your company if they're a problem too. So that's why they're the first people to leave your company. Your highest performers will leave first in a bad team, cancer situation, or in a time of uncertainty because they're really good at solving problems. Mm-hmm. Have problem, solve problem. It's pretty linear <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. So if you got a high performer and things are going kind of weird, they're going to put all their time and effort into solving that. And the usual solution is I'm going to go somewhere else, get paid more money, better, better culture, better environment. Mm-hmm. Kind of rolling things back a little bit. I'm making sure that when I interview people, taking that advice from Silicon Valley and, and the two mentors I had that I'm seeing great judgment. And then I put my own spin on that because I'm not looking just for judgment. Right. That is a key thing I'm looking for though. That attitude, mm-hmm. supportive, thoughtful. And you mentioned another one at the very start, which was can do. Mm. You've heard me say this a million times. I have. To the teams that we work on as kind of a orientation of my expectations, which is I don't want to hear why we can't do something. I want you to think about ways and come back to us and how we can because I can think of a million reasons why we can't do something too. In IT, at some point, you get to 
really fast understanding of the good sides to something, the upsides and the downsides. And then you've got to make sure your solutions cover a reasonable amount of exceptions, mm -hmm. problems. And so you spend, I think the rule was 75, 80% of your time actually managing the exceptions to a solution, make sure they don't happen. Again, within a reasonable cost, ROI. Yeah, if there's a problem, we're looking for a solution, you need to find how we can. And that's what we're looking for. I've been in many executive meetings, many board meetings, architecture meetings, where the president or the chairman of the board goes, what are we going to do about this? Now, if you want to get fired as an executive, <laughs> come up with a why we can't. <laughs> I have never been at the executive table where someone puts up their hands and spouts out five reasons why we can't. <laughs> and gets promoted for it. If you're still at that table, it's because you're a family member somehow related to the president. Right. There is no other way that's happening. What it is is usually a race to a thoughtful how can we solution at that executive table. And from an IT and technology perspective, the better you are at that, the better off you're going to be. Mm. Like you said, you don't always have the answer right there. Mm -hmm. There's been many times where I'm like, okay, let me think about this. Let's go work with the team. You know, give us 48 hours. I like the 48 hour rule, not only for bad situations, like when you're kind of triggered. Again, maybe you're tired, had no sleep, kind of burnt out. Things can trigger really quickly. Mm -hmm. Again, that 48 hour cool off period really helps, but it also helps for a really great thoughtful solution. You said before, you know, I don't know. Sometimes that's an okay thing. You don't want to say it too many times in the executive boardroom, but more let's investigate and we'll get back to you. Yeah. I think the higher up I got in my career, you're right. You don't say it all the time. It's not your default, but you're not afraid to say, go back to the team, see what we can do and come back to you. You know, you yeah. don't, I think it's better to say that and acknowledge that even if you have to say you don't know, I think it's better to acknowledge that you don't know, but you'll go sort it out, come back with something than it ever is to give some sort of bullshitted BS example or, or answer. Like that's not, that may be okay in the short run as people think, oh, you know everything, but in the long run, you fail epically. Is there anything that we missed for high performers that you're looking for? I just contributor, I think is one. And like, they're not so shy and introverted that they're, they're not going to contribute. You know, they're willing to speak up. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be all the time. No. But just, but willing to contribute. So we, we get can, that thoughtfulness. Yeah. And it's and part of the so solution again. It's all well and good to have everybody physically sitting there around the table or, you know, on your Zoom meetings and everything. But the team is built by the interactions of the team, not necessarily to solve a problem. But if people can't get to know people because they're not speaking up or they're quiet or they're not willing to share about themselves or, and I'm not talking about like lots and lots and lots and lots of personal detail. I just mean, like you say, interacting, contributing to a conversation, not only do they not get to be part of the solution and we can't leverage that from a technology perspective, but from an individual and caring about your teammates perspective, you don't get to know who they are as a person. And that is a missing for the team culture if somebody isn't able to be part of the team because they're a valuable member, even as a human being, let alone what they know about technology. They, they still impact and create the culture in the team. So it's really important that you get to know your team, even if, and, and they can speak in your team, speak up, be a part of the team, even if not just technically is what I'm trying to say, yeah. because their, their presence matters, yeah, right? Their sure. personality matters, what they have to bring to the team as a human it, it contributes to the culture. And the opposite is true too, that if they're not there and not participating, the team is missing out because we're missing out getting to know 
that human and having that human part of our culture. Yeah. And we've been focused on non-technical. So anyone listening that is technical, 100% of these things apply to you, whether you're technical or mm -hmm. not within IT. All the same things apply at a technical level as well. So if I'm looking at your code, I'm looking at your network architecture, I'm looking at how you set up a server, even desktop deployments and patches. Now, I still want to see those things applied to the proposed solution and to your final solution. Mm -hmm. And I will look through your code. Like even as an IT executive, like I love IT. So the second that I've got four seconds to myself where I can, I've made some room, you know, got all my deliverables out of the way, I'm probably going to sit down in a code review mm -hmm. you know, or a design review. I want to see what's going on. But I want to see that same judgment, thoughtfulness. I want to see if you're in a code review that you're being supportive, contributing, and no bullying, no bragging, no snark. I'm not interested in that. Do that. You're going to get my full attention in a very negative way. That's so not a good thing. No, no. No, that's not a good thing. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for, again, for making the time. And I hope people found this helpful. Amanda's not getting paid. I'm not getting paid. No. We're doing this because we want to give a little bit back. Mm -hmm. to all the junior Mandas and junior Garys and the junior yous if you're senior, junior versions of yourself. Yeah. And just give back. And and hopefully help people move smoother or jump over or completely skip some of the hurdles that we had to go through to get us to where we are today, right? This is, there's a lot of things beyond our education. This stuff is all trial and error. And I would have really liked to have had somebody to help me navigate or information to help me navigate when I was going through it, because there's a lot, a, a ton more than you can ever learn in a university to navigate and level up your career. It's just so much. So For sure. it's like, really just about giving back like that and trying to help people out. I grew up in the countryside, so I had tons of mentorship on how to fix a tractor, make a fence, you know, catch a cow, ride a horse. I had no mentorship on anything technology related. So I think that's a little bit at the heart of what we're doing here too. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for listening to The Real IT Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star reading and review. And please introduce The Real IT Podcast to your friends and coworkers. Again, thanks for listening to the episode and hope all is well with you, your family, and your friends. Mm -hmm.